The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. That, 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 that don't kill me. Can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now. Cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now. Cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now. That's how long I've been on ya. Yeah, you know, if you hear that music, you know the show. I think I say that just about every week, so I want to be consistent. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and there is an awful lot that matters to me and hopefully to a lot of you. And uh, i tell you one thing that matters is it's, it's March, and that means it's nothing but madness. Nothing but madness. I am happy that The Ohio State University got a ticket to the dance. Uh, they did not get a first seed, and I don't think they, you know, I, I kind of, Agree with uh, my boy Clark, uh, Clark Kellogg. You know, when Log said, when you peel back the onion, you know, and it's uh, either it's there or it's not there. And I don't think they had enough to, to get that, to deserve that number one seed. Although, congratulations to the Ohio State University Buckeyes for winning the Big Ten tournament and the championship. But uh, I told you, it was, you know, I'm a little disappointed in the way UConn kind of fell off, you know, there at the end. But, uh, you know, I, I said UConn was one of those teams you might look at because perhaps maybe they might they might pick it up at the end and, and you know, make a strong run towards the, certainly towards the tournament and even maybe the national championship, but they're out. They're not in. Uh, but I said Syracuse. Um, and, you know, my boy Kwame, you know, he wants Kansas up there. They're up there. Number one seed in the entire tournament. They're up there. and uh, And Kentucky is there. You know, Duke is there. Uh, of those four, who do you think will pull it off? Who, who do you think when it's all said and done, you know, they'll be singing about them, that one shining moment? And by the way, this year, I think we got a, a new voice behind one shining moment. Yes, young lady will be singing. Um, and uh, I enjoyed the version, the new version. But I, I was kind of biased to Teddy. Man, I just like the way Teddy and, and Luther used to sing their song. You know, Teddy would sing his song, Luther would sing the song. and uh, But it is one shining moment, the kind of song that just tugs you at your heart. If you've ever been in a competitive battle on the field or court or race, you know, that song just, it, it touches you. It moves you. you. You have to be motivated by that song and many times even bought the tears. So I, I'm, I'm happy it's March Madness. I'm happy it's March Madness. Uh, there's some other things, too, that have brought joy to my heart. I'm at the uh, NFLPA, the National Football League Players Association, and all of its players, and uh, the NFL alumni, uh, we're supposed to be one. We are all NFL players, and there is a meeting that's going on in Maui, and there's going to be a special show on Voice America Sports tomorrow in the slot of which normally uh, we host this show, uh, Lemont Williams, Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams, normally runs in that 5 o'clock Pacific slot. Tomorrow, we're going to do a special show. It's going to be uh, Double Time with Double D. And that's Dave Dorson, who is in Maui. 
and who will bring his show live from Maui tomorrow night, 5 p.m. Pacific. Um, so I think that's if it's 5 p.m. Pacific, that's going to be about 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 5 o'clock Arizona Time. And uh, we're going to bring some information to you that you've never heard, exclusive information. Uh, and that, we, again, will be brought to you. I will be a part of that show. Some other ball players uh, will be a part of that show. I'm going to see if I can get Dez to be a part of that show, too. Dez Clark, tight end for Chicago Bears. Uh, of course, you know Dez has a show here on the network, and Dez's show is Sportsmanlike Conduct coming up in a couple hours. Uh, get some other guys involved here on the network. So we can talk about our future, our present, and our past and how the league is working uh, diligently to get a new collective bargaining agreement uh, with the NFL, NFL management. That's extremely important. You know, I kind of did this timeline. It's like it's like a 40-40 thing. You know, if you're involved in the NFL as a rookie, you will be able to affect 40 years ahead of you, and you will impact 40 years previous to you arriving when you're at the bargaining table. And how do I know that? Well, I'll be, you know, I haven't been part of the league for 40 years, but I've been around enough to know when I go to meetings, I see people in the present and I see those who are in the past that were a part of the game, and they come together. And there's usually you can go 40 years back and you can go 40 years ahead, and you're smack dead in the middle. So those who are coming to the league as rookies at 2010, yeah, they'll be impacting football through, two, wow, 2050. Yes, through 2050. And they'll go back to about, what, 19, you know, 40, something like 19, yeah, 1950, 1940. Wow, that's a lot, 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 lot of power. That's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of business to be taken care of, a lot of information you need to gather. You have to study. You have to make informed decisions. And over the years, that's exact. I would always get all the information I can to make sure that I make a positive impact and I make a decision not on emotions but on facts. And you have to get those facts from someplace. I'll tell you something that is a fact. I, I played ball at The Ohio State University. And I was there. I had a friend who bought the hammer, bought the wood, loved to play football. Young man, a little younger than me. But still, when you see a good football player, you know it. And anybody who has the last name of Tatum, uh, you definitely know that as well. You know, so I am going to be uh, joined by a good friend of mine uh, by the name of Roland Tatum, who is going to join me because uh, Roland has written a book and uh, Roland has written a book uh, and it's a book uh, to some people it might be somewhat controversy but to others it, it may not and uh, uh, Roland has his perspective uh, on the fact with uh, with his book and, and Roland's book is entitled why women can't be daddies to become a man now that's a very sensitive subject but it's, it's to some people and, and to Roland, it's very close and dear to his heart. And he feels very passionate about it and has wrote a book about it. So I believe I have my good friend Roland Tatum, linebacker from the Ohio State University. And Roland played a couple years in the league. So I'm going to let Roland tell that story. But I think Roland's on the line. Roland, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. How are you doing, Ray? Man, I'm doing good, man. You, you're in sunny California, so I know you're doing good, too, right? Oh, definitely. It's a beautiful day today. And, uh... It's always a beautiful day in Southern California. Well, you know that, that that that's a good thing to hear you say that, Roland, because you know I'm I'm a product of the of the of the sixties and the seventies, and I remember when there wasn't always. Uh, it's always a beautiful day to be alive, but sometimes some ugly things transpire. Uh, and in California, there were times where there was some ugly things transpiring out there, and uh, as a result of that, uh, you know, parts of California uh, were devastated. 
Um, but I know that you you were a part of California. You lived your whole life there. You know, came to Ohio State, played ball with us. Uh, but you want to shed a different kind of light, not on just California, but on particularly the, the, the product, the young man that come out of California. So why don't we start a little bit about what, what made you decide to write this book, Roland, and, and the title of it? Well, the, the title can be misleading to some people, but Why Women Can't Be Daddy states that uh, we're kind of losing the battle with young men who are not reaching the rites of passage becoming a man. And what, what I'm trying to do is get people to stand up and give the tools to young men that they can use to become men and be viable in the community. Well, I think one thing that you do with the title is you get everybody's attention. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the product of, of a single family. And I think my mother, certainly I know she did the best job she possibly could, God rest her soul, in heaven. Um, but, but some women, you know, might, when they read that title, um, some of them might disagree with you. Some of them might feel they do a pretty good job of being both mama and daddy. You know what? Uh, you can be an exceptional mommy. My, my mother raised six kids by herself, so I'm not saying uh, slighting the women who have raised children, especially the man-child, to, and successfully to become men. But there's still something missing the spirit of it, the spirit of daddy is, is still the same, and, you know, there are some who say they've been mommy and daddy all their life, but basically you've just been exceptional mother because you've been forced into that situation. That's not God's plan. That's not the natural order. But there are some who have done a very good job, and, you know, God rest the soul of my mother who was a minister and did a real good job on, on all her boys, had five boys, you know, and but... She would, we would talk, and she knew then she still wasn't daddy. Well, Roland, it's interesting you say that because, you know, as I raise my son, and, and I say to him many times, I, I say he's 17 years old now, and I tell him that each day that he and I do anything together, it is a first-time experience for me. It's a first-time experience for me as a father. It's a first-time experience for me as a witnessing a father and a son doing something together. And it's the first time me witnessing him as a son having a relationship with a father. So I think as I got older, even though I, to this day I will take it to my grave that my mother did an excellent job, I do see that there is a difference when there is a father there in the life of a son. Now, and you were talking about your mother. And so was it some of your experience as you spend time with your children that you see while there is a difference with the father being there? There definitely is a difference because, in fact, the spirit of, of, of the father, especially to a young man, to a young man where I was a, you know, I was a daddy's boy. But then when my parents had gotten divorced, I realized that there was definitely something missing. The rough and tumble, the things that you're taught that's, you know, taught for a man to a young man, the rites of passage. Now, today, there's a lot of young men who really don't know when they're supposed to start acting like a man. Yeah, that's interesting. You, you, you say that, you know, the rites of passage and things of those, you know, that nature. And, and again, we, we don't realize if you if you haven't had something in your life, you never know what you're missing. It's only once you witness that, you see that, you participate. And sometimes even seeing other boys as I was growing up to see them, you know, with their fathers. I, I don't it didn't have to necessarily be a sporting event. Just the company of a father being there it let me know that there was something different about my life that was different than their life. 
you know, we got that music rolling. Whenever you hear that rules, that music, we're going to take a break. Why don't you hold on? We're going to take this break. We'll be back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix Living Like It Matters. I got my good friend and special guest, Roland Tatum, on the line. And we're talking about his book, Why Women Can't Be Daddies to Become a Man. We'll be right back. That's how long I've been on ya. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my good friend, former teammate at The Ohio State University, playing for the Buckeyes alongside of myself and a lot of other good friends out there, and I hope they all are listening to us. Mr. Roland Tatum. Roland, you wrote this book, uh, Why Women Can't Be Daddies. Uh, what did you hope to achieve by writing this book? Well, actually, what I want to do is give people options, options in raising a young man, options to show them what they can do other than what's being done you know, uh, what they see on TV or what they see in the streets. That way they can raise uh, 
a young man that has uh, respect for themselves, respect for, you know, their parents, and show them something else to do, you know, other than just sitting around and existing. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you, you said you wanted to show them. Uh, you, I know you have the book. Are there some other things that you're doing in your life there in California, Roland, besides just the book that perhaps maybe you're also lending, a, uh, let's say, a blueprint to show them how to perhaps maybe help develop these young men that are in so much need? You know, I have a program. It's actually called To Become a Man. And what that is is um, showing you uh, what you can do and following you along through uh, your teenage years all the way to manhood and basically what what I do is uh, bring you along all the way through uh, through high school looking at your core curriculum what you're doing in in school and what you're doing socially to not only build uh, a student but also also working on your character well Roland, I remember I was watching a movie on television and I, I really can't remember what the movie was but it, it was a very good movie it was about uh, a young man that caught him, got himself caught up in, in some trouble and, and had to go to prison and uh, his son uh, became a victim of the streets and got caught up in a gang and, and things of that nature and I remember one time once he got out and his son uh, as I said was caught up in this gang and, and it was one of the, the guy's friends prior to him going to jail that actually tried to recruit his son. And he went to him one day and he grabbed him and he said, you know, this is my son when he was amongst that gang and pulled him out and said, this is my son. You know, and he was taking ownership of his son and, and he was going to raise his son. Uh, not to say that the same type of situation would, would, would happen today in your program, but are you also working with men who might you know, young men who might have the father in the home, are you still working with those young men sometimes? Because I have a son, and I, I can tell you sometimes, uh, perhaps maybe your son can hear the same thing from anybody other than coming from directly from his dad, and it'll sound so much better, and he might follow the directions of someone else. So are there men, young men, a part of your program, that are still in the home with their fathers as well? Oh, oh most definitely, because the fact that, you know, being the authority figure that, uh, a parent is the father is that's in the home. He's basically, you know, uh, browbeating the young man, so to speak. Whereas the young man feel I'm always getting come down on. So this way I can make it easier or, or soft pellet so that the young man can see not only is your father saying what's right for you, but your father is saying what is right. And I think that's extremely important. I got a good friend. Shout out to my good friend Al Bubba Gross. Uh, another L.A. product, Al and I played ball together for the Cleveland Browns. And, and, and Al was going to, he was in the studios with me here a few weeks ago, and, and I was talking to him about my son. You know, Al went to the University of Arizona, and, uh, you know, of course, if my son doesn't end up at The Ohio State University, and I'm not putting that kind of pressure on him. But uh, Arizona's got a nice program. But I was just talking to him some things about sports, and I was saying, you know, Al, man, you know, if you could spend some time with, you know, with my son, you know, I would really appreciate it. And, and Al said he would pass it, you know, you know, pass it past me first. And I was like, no, hold on, Al. I, I already know the message is going to be consistent. I, I know you as a person, so I know the message you're going to send to my son. It's going to be okay. You don't have to pass the message to me because you and I are going to be delivering that consistent message. And so I guess I'm asking you is you've got a consistent message in your program that, that the average man who is, is raising a uh, a son and hoping to turn him into a very productive society uh, person in society and, and, a, and a young man, you're delivering those same kind of consistent messages that are being delivered in the house. Oh, most definitely. Because, you know, if, 
if you're you're consistent with a child, the ch- a child, especially a man child, wants direction. He wants to be shown what he needs to do, and and shown these are the things that you can do. But most of the time, a young man doesn't realize that he has to do what he has to do in order to get to do what he wants to do. And the consistency is a real man takes responsibility for all his actions. Someone who makes excuses for their inadequacies is just an old boy. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of boys out here, Roland. So tell me this. How do you, in today's society, do you raise a boy any different? And I'm asking some questions just for the purpose of some people who may want to ask this question may not know. You know, people talk about the kids today are so much different than the kids, you know, in our generation. Uh, What's different in raising a child today than when you and I grew up? If you can just talk a little bit about that. I think the fact that, uh, you know, when you and I were were coming up, we were... uh you know, uh, made to believe this was uh, my way or the highway. And today's child probably doesn't have that strong, stern back that uh, that we had that, you know, they may crumble. So what I do is, is, is do strength finding and find out what that child is good at. I think we spend too much time working on things we're not good at and not enough time on things that we are good at. If we can enhance the things that we're good at doing and i tell you if you really can make a living at what you what you do and what you like to do you have half the battle beat well there's so many different you know education really hasn't changed much other than the way it was when we grew up i mean if you look at some of the you know core curriculum courses in terms of uh, the prerequisites that are necessary to graduate from college it's really the same thing however with this modern-day technology, you can access your classes, you know, any place, anytime, anywhere, when you want to, online. But in terms of, you know, what you're being taught in these schools, I'm not sure that academics has caught up with the changing world. And you talked about it. You know, there are some things that these kids may love to do, and I'm not sure that the, the curriculums are set up to meet the needs of what's necessary to be successful. I mean, some of these young kids... With what's happening in today in technology, they're, they're multimillionaires uh, before they even go to school. Now, I'm not against education. I'm just saying maybe they need to tweak the education a little bit. And even the way the, class, the classroom structures are set up sometimes, you know, I think even there's some changes that are necessary there. Do you teach in a different kind of environment? Does everybody have to sit there and hold their hands and fold their hands and be quiet? I mean, is it interactive? Uh, your environment for, for teaching and learning and educating. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, well, the the young man of the day is a little different. Now, me, myself, you know, I couldn't sit still for hours in a classroom. So nowadays they say you're ADD, you can't move, and they want to drug you up. But in essence, if you use that energy in a positive way, try to burn that energy off, then you have a child who can sit and, and listen and learn. But you have to challenge the child. You can't have a child that's in a classroom and you're giving them books from, you know, way back in the past without the knowledge what he can just go on the internet and find that information so we had to be smarter for us getting research because we didn't have all these new tools so america seems to be dumbing it down so that it doesn't take you to, you know time to think so you were right the educational process has not caught up to technology so far as them teaching and learning the information and actually not just reading it to pass a test, but 
learning it, then you can know it and actually speak about it and make it your own. Now, when we grew up also, I, I remember a movie, An Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, are these young men today, uh, are, are they gentlemen? Uh, do they do they have the, the, the morals and values that, that we were brought up with? Or, uh, I mean, you look at television, you know, Roland, I don't know how old your children are, but, you know, there, there's something out there called grinding. And I, I'm not going to say we some form of it, but I'm going to say a very minimum form of it. Slow dancing is what we used to do. But, the, you know, these kids, uh, there's so much sex in their lives nowadays. How do you deal with that and, 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 and tell the young man to that there's a moral standards of which you try to live up to? And, you know, everything doesn't have to be at a microwave speed. Some things you can wait on. You know, I, I tell a young man that, you know, you have uh, you have the microwave, and things in microwaves usually doesn't take, taste as good as a slow cook. You know, if you put it in the oven, it's, the season is going to be a better, and, and it's, it's always greater later. As far as uh, sex in the media, sex on uh, the TV, this is what the young people are seeing, and this is what is being, being uh, promoted as this is the norm. So what happens is when you have that, Sex clouds your mind. So when you see it, you're not thinking about any educational process. You're just thinking about, oh, can I do that move or look at her with a scanty clad dress. So what you have to do is uh, get a young man or even a young lady, for that, for that matter, to look at what is not obtainable by sight. So you have to have some faith in what you can see and let them know that it is greater if you sacrifice. If you have that right there, that's all you're going to have. But if you take some plans and take some time, have a purpose, and then know the steps to take to get where you're trying to go, then you'll have, you know, uh, the blessings that you will be bestowed upon you. I'll tell you what, it seems like time is going by in the microwave fashion here. Pretty soon we're going to hear some more music and we're going to take a break. But uh, until that music comes, rolling, we're going to carry on with the show. Uh, I got to think that somewhere in here there's got to be a tie-in to sports in, in some way, somehow. Uh, is, is there a tie-in to sports in your programs at all? Most definitely. See, if you do, and a lot of, I have a lot of young men that are in college right now, and they're playing uh, football, basketball, different sports. So that's what I mean by strength finder. And the thing about sports is sports carries over to life. You know, it shows you how to not give up. It shows you how to get along with other people for a common goal. And I tell you, sports is the last frontier for all races to come together for a common goal, which is either winning a championship or even socialization for, you know, for everything that you're going to do. Because you can take a football team and you can have nine different races on that team. The only thing you're thinking about is winning is winning that's right rolling hey we got music man we're going to talk about winning on the other side of the break you're listening to ray ellis sports on the voice america network got my man roland tatum with me today and we're talking about that book he wrote why women can't be daddies we'll be right back after this message go 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 and on the count of three Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we 
We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference Most Valuable Player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. I like to let that play just a little bit more. So we got to get back into the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Got my man Roland Tatum with me. And uh, Roland, I appreciate you being on the show today, man. And uh, uh, we started about to talk about something as we went into that break. And you mentioned something that was extremely important. And, and you talked about, you know, bringing cultures together and sports being, you know, such a great magnet to make that happen. Uh, but you talked about winning. And, uh, you know, and these young men, I, I think it's important for a uh, young man. As a matter of fact, just anybody in athletics, period. You know, I have a young daughter who's running track, and, and they said something to her about, you know, I was trying to push her. I was like, well, you know, why don't you try to get up on the varsity if you, you're doing so good on the freshman level, a JV level. But, but I think it's important for, for people to uh, get an, uh, an opportunity to experience a, a few wins in their life. You know, I'm thinking maybe she goes up to the varsity, she goes up there, and maybe she doesn't have a success. And if you're losing all the time, that doesn't make you feel good. A few wins, you know, would make you feel good. So 
uh, the fact that you have these guys involved in sports, there's there's seen some success in their life. And, and, and the culture thing comes in where they're succeeding, perhaps maybe where it may have been segregated, all black and all white. I think perhaps maybe in sports, they're getting some wins, and they're getting wins with some people from a different culture as well. Is that, is that happening? Uh, that's definitely because I have, I have young men, uh, black, uh, white, uh, Latino. I have a young man uh, named Rolando Barragan who's at uh, Southern Mississippi, a uh, Mexican young man from Los Angeles who did something that I never had happen to me. Uh, he went on a recruiting trip, called me, and told me, Coach, uh, I'm not coming back. <laughs> so he, he went on a trip and signed right there and started classes the next week. So that was really something that was impressed me because I've known this young man since he was in the fifth grade. Well, I, you know, I, that experience, I, I saw it in a movie. It was an Eddie Murphy movie, and it was a different kind of scene. So we're going to let that one go. But somebody did <laughs> make a call and say he wasn't coming back. But, but that's outstanding, Roland, because, uh, you know, I remember when you came into Ohio State. I mean, there's one thing about there's a few places throughout the country that I don't care where you're from. When you meet somebody from that part of the country, there's an instant amount of respect that is shown to them. And, and you got that respect when you came into Ohio State because you were from L.A., you know, and, you know, L.A., New York, you know, I'm going to throw Ohio in there some places, you know. But if it's ball or whatever it is, based upon if they come from a certain place, hey, you know, you know, you got to give him his props, you know. And so you coming into to L.A., coming into uh, Ohio from L.A., I'm not going to say that when, when, when we first met you that we would think that today uh, this is the kind of work that you were doing. What was it in your heart, Roland, that, that touched you to say, you know, this is my purpose. This is what drives me. This is what I want to do. I know about the football thing, but this side of you, tell, me, tell us a little bit about that. Well, seeing I, I you know, grew up with uh, six, you know, five siblings. I'm the youngest of six. And my brother was actually a school teacher in my high school. So it was no, you know, no doubt in my mind. You know, my mother had a Ph.D. Everyone in our our family had went to school. But to know when God showed me that I had the ability to enhance the life of the life of others, it was something that I knew. So it was almost as though I was chosen to do this. It wasn't something that I set out to. Oh, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, you know, make a difference in people's lives. But I think it's something that's been in me all my life. You know, it's a, it's a gift, and it's something that, you know, God's people need to reach back and each one teach one, and that way I think life will be a little better for a lot more people. Well, well I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, certainly I, I agree with you. I, I think we're all God's people, and I, I don't like this. It's one thing that I don't like about this whole this media thing. You know, there are different times that, that things are reported in the media, and it seems to be unfair. It, it's, it's always, well, let me not say always. I shouldn't speak in absolutes. But many times you can almost tell by who's reporting um, black or white. You know, is is this whole this whole race thing, and and I'm I'm gonna agree with you again. That's what why sports is is such a special part of 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 my life and of this society. You know, I think it's one of those things that could, uh, at times, it could cure a whole lot of ills. Uh, but even times, you can tell when there's a game being played. You know, who's rooting for who and and things of that nature. So let's let's move away a little bit, man. Uh, I want to talk about some football uh, because uh, first of all. Uh, one of the first things that struck me when you came to the Ohio State University was that last name, uh, Tatum. And <laughs> you came from California. And, of course, uh, Jack is out there. 
And if I'm not mistaken, is, is there or is there not uh, any family ties to, to the great Jack Tatum and to the great Roland Tatum? Well, there's, there's actually some connections there. You know, I had actually talked to Jack when I was at Ohio State, but he was uh, my motivation to go to Ohio State when I seen him, uh, you know, back when he was at Ohio State. It's funny that uh, getting to meet him, he was, uh, you know, one of the, you know, he was just really, really, really cool guy to meet, and you wouldn't think that for a person who was just hitting so hard. And, you know, I just said, wanted to do the number proud that I got there. We wore the same number. Didn't start out that way, but it ended up that way. So it was almost like, you know, this was supposed to be. Yeah, I uh, I would concur with you about my days of meeting uh, Jack as well. I mean, I just uh, very cool, very relaxed, laid back. You know, you know, on the field. You know, let's say this: I never wanted my son. I would never want my son to go across the field if Jack Tatum was on the football field. And I, I tried to emulate that game. And uh, I think we all tried to do that. But Jack was uh, continues to be. And that's what I tell people uh, from the university to this day. Listen, you can't tell me that people who have walked through these hallways and sat in these classrooms and played on that football field do not continue to impact your university to this day. There are men who want young men who want to go to this university for the simple fact they got a great football program. But Jack Tatum played here. And so Jack still continues to make an impact. And to this day, there's got to be young kids trying to play football like Jack Tatum that wasn't even nowhere near born when, when Jack was, you know, doing his thing with the Raiders and at Ohio State University as well. But uh, let's talk about something. It's that, that time of the year is happening right now. I mean, it's the time of the year where a young man is, you know, his college career is over with. You know, he's maybe been or not been to the combine and, and the draft is about to happen. Uh, let's go back in, in, in your days, and, and I know, as, as we talked about off-air a little bit, uh, you were drafted uh, by the Miami Dolphins. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the career at Ohio State as it ended, you know, getting ready for the draft, and, and what were you thinking about as this, as this day approached? Well, being at Ohio State, it was it was like a dream. It was pretty much how I had pictured it. And, you know, you, your standards rise. You know, you have a, the self-esteem of, of a giant, and you're coming out, and you know that that opportunity may be there. You know, I had doubts about it that, you know, am I going to get a chance to, you know, even do that? But when the opportunity did come, you know, it was a, it was a great experience, and I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, got to see, you know, the likes of guys like Dan Marino, you know, meeting, the, you know, uh, Duper and Clayton and, meeting all these people who you see on TV and like, well, they're famous. I just happen to be playing a little bit of football. <laughs> well, you know, that, that, that's funny, man. I laugh about that because I, I was born and raised in Canton, Ohio, rolling it, and it was, for me, my first time stepping on the football field where I had that same type of feeling that you're talking about was when we played the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and part of the reason why, because I was a kid. And I had gone to a Hall of Fame game, and, and I was seeking autographs from some of the Steelers, and they wouldn't give them to me. And, and I just said to myself, oh, boy, I hope and pray if I ever get a chance to play, I'd take his head off. And then I found myself in a preseason game lined up against the people that you know, I, I admired so much. So to those young men that are out there, what did you do to get rid of that feeling? Because you had to go up against Duber and Clayton them, you know, and practice because they're on the offensive side of the ball and Dan Marino. What did you do to prepare yourself? Man, I got to get, I, you know, I'm one of these guys. What did you do to kind of make yourself feel comfortable and feel as if you deserve to be in that environment? 
Well, for me, you know, I, I transform from the person that I am once I put the uniform on. You know, you talk to them, you realize that, uh, hey, they're just like me, you know. And then that's where I made a persona when I was in high school. And, you know, that persona was, was named uh, Beast. And what I would do is go into beast mode, and that person would actually go out there and play. Because I would look at the film and say, whoa, that's, that's brutal. He's getting hit hard. And what I like about that role, and I guess it's something that's probably you know pretty consistent with with a lot of a lot of players, and that is because you are a different person on the field uh, than you are off the field, and 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 there is a transformation that you go through, and and people say you can't turn it off and you can't turn it on, uh, but but you have to do that because you know the things that are done on the football field, and now they're even trying to back off of it from the way it used to be. But I mean that's uh, that's assault and battery what we do on those on those playing fields and you certainly can't approach a person uh, on the field and and I mean off the field and and you know treat them the way you do uh, on a football field. Uh, your experiences, uh, your education, uh, the things you're doing today, uh, would you do anything any different? Or are you pretty happy with the way life turned out? You know I am very happy. I mean I smile every day. I come to work. It's exciting. I love my job working for the port, but experiences that I had, I would wish every young man would have a chance to do what I have done. You know, going to Ohio State, actually being in front of 100,000 fans, screaming, it's just, you never get and relive that. You know, when the cheering is over, it's done. But to see it and, and, and let some young men know, and they call me all the time when they get, you know, to the universities and tell me, Coach, you were right. This is just a nice feeling. Yeah, I, I remember, let's, let's talk a little bit about draft day. I, I was sitting there rolling. I had already received a call from the Cincinnati Bengals asking me uh, to consider to coming to their camp as a free agent. And then, uh, you know, I got a call from a former Ohio State linebacker coach, George Hill. And he was the linebacker coach for the Philadelphia Eagles and told me they were about to draft me. And then I got a call from another Ohio State guy who was a secondary coach, Fred Bruni, and said that, you know, there were some things he liked about my game and, and they definitely had just picked me. Uh, you were drafted that day. Oh, man, we're going to take a break, Roland. You're going to finish the show with me because I got to take this break, and we're going to talk about when you got that phone call, when you got that information that you were drafted by the Miami Dolphins, what it felt like. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my man Roland Tatum on the line from The Ohio State University and the Miami Dolphins. We'll be right back after this message. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Sports Network. 
Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference Most Valuable Player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Hey, football fans, are you ready for an intelligent discussion about the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League? Are you tired of listening to talk show hosts that have never played football? Instead of answering your questions, they prefer to listen to themselves. And when they don't like what you're saying, they just cut you off. Well, that won't happen on the Jeff Nixon Sports Report. Keep it clean, stay relatively calm and rational, and the discussion will flow well. Join Jeff Nixon Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports okay you hear that music you know this show you're listening to rail of sports on the voice american network i'm in phoenix living like it matters got my good friend roland tatum with me uh before we went to break started to ask Roland some things about that call. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's things out there called the hit, called the fumble, called the drive, all that stuff. I know that. But the call, when you got the call rolling, and the call, for those of you who are out there who don't understand, not everybody gets to go to New York. They, they have certain people. They think it's about, I think the number may be, uh, not all 32, because it's still some people want to be other places when they get drafted, even in the first round. They want to be with family and friends. But there's many more who, who don't get a chance to get to New York, but we still get that call, our name. They let us know what's happening. Roland, let's talk about that call on draft day when you found out you were drafted. Just, just you, in your own words, share that experience with our listeners. Oh, but before I get to, to that call, I actually was called by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they told me they were going to draft me in the second round. And... You know, this is what something I tell young men, watch what you say because you may alter the course of your life. And actually, I told them I would love to play for the Steeders, but I don't know so much about <laughs> living in Pittsburgh. Did you really? So, <laughs> <laughs> so they, they they hung up, and then uh, later on the Dolphins uh, called me and said they were drafting me in the sixth round. So I think that verbiage right there kind of altered the, the course of the draft for me. Wow. Now, when they called you, do you recall who you, who you spoke to when they called you? Uh, <clears throat> no, I, I can't recall the, the, the coach's name, but he had actually came and worked me out. So I knew they was calling. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was happy about the call. But the fact is, uh, I had only been to Pittsburgh once, and it was in the wintertime. It was so gloomy. I said, well, I, 
I don't know too much. I don't. I really was telling him I really didn't know about. I didn't know anything about Pittsburgh because I had never really been there. Yeah, that's what you were saying. But he right. read something. He read he something else it, into the question. Right. right. He took it. He took it another way. I said, you know, I probably took it as I wouldn't want to live in Pittsburgh. But I was saying is though. I had never. I drove by Pittsburgh once. Never well, been to there. I, I got to be honest, man. You know, growing up in Ohio, you know, living in Canton, going to school in Columbus, playing in Cleveland, it, it's dark and dreary in the winter. You know, you get snow that falls on the ground. Uh, let's say in maybe November, December, and it may be melted by March. So I, I know what you're saying about that. But you know, of course, one of the greatest towns ever, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers family there. You know more Super Bowls than anybody, but it affected and, and changed the course of your life a little bit, but still, you got that phone call with the with the Miami Dolphins, and uh, and here's what I'd like for you to do. Share what that experience was like, because regardless if it's one day, one year, 20 years, uh, we all become former NFL players, and i like for people to understand, you know, how different people transition from the game, so it, why don't you uh, run, us down, run that part down to us as how things transpired over that period of being drafted and then uh, the, the, the end of the career, so to speak. Just uh, flying into Miami, and it was just sunny and uh, getting ready for um, being on the team and getting ready for the preparation. It was, um, it was different, you know, I mean, just from the food that we ate. You know, we were eating lobster for lunch, you know, and this is a team, team deal, team meal. And just the meetings, everything was... Uh, was precise and on, uh, you know, on point. The, the team itself, you, in college, you may have, you know, a couple of superstars, or, you know, a uh, couple of guys that are really good, but in the pros, you got pretty much everybody who's been All-American somewhere or been the best at what they do somewhere. So you have to bring, you know, uh, your preparation up. And uh, that's coming from somebody who, again, coming from one of the you know greatest programs in college football at Ohio State, and and just speaking uh, the reality of that, it's it's a different game at the next level. Uh, looking at the game today, rolling the linebackers. Now, uh, when you got drafted, uh, did did you play linebacker with the Dolphins? Yes, I played linebacker. Uh, they had actually drafted two linebackers before me, but you know I played linebacker there. Uh, uh, A.J. Dewey was there. At the time, they had a couple of guys who were kind of dinged up, and uh, you know. But the, at that time, they had the the killer bees with Boomhauer and uh, you know uh, all those guys who name started with with uh, with B. So mm -hmm. they had a pretty good uh, nucleus, you know. Well, I, I I remember that Miami Dolphin team being you know a, a pretty good football team. So just the mere fact that to even be drafted by the Dolphins and just to be drafted, period. Because I I know I went through you know waiting for twelve rounds. I I wasn't in, sitting in one of those rooms with the cameras on me. But I I just got to the point where I said if it happens, it happens. Uh, and if I get a chance, I'm gonna do the best I can. But if not, if I still get a chance, I'm gonna do the best I can. But uh, looking today, like I said, there's some people out there. Some some things are happening. Some changes are happening. Uh, there's some people who may get a call, some people who may not get a call, but you and I are here to tell them that if they get a call or not, that life doesn't end with football. And you're talking to some young men, you're working with some young men, and one day football or whatever sport they're involved with may be over with, and they have to adjust to the real world. And those are the kind of things you're helping these young men become real men in a real world. Am I right? 
Most definitely. That's something that uh, John Wooden, the coach of old coach of UCLA, used to always say that when you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. And um, you know, when I came to Ohio State, when I went to Ohio State, uh, Richard Delaney told me one thing that stuck with me. He said, "If you don't get your degree, that will be the only time that you will feel used. So get something that you can, you know, deal with after football is over, because." You know, it's not like uh, you can play football for 40 years and retire at 62. No, you're right about that. <laughs> no 62-year-old football players out there for real. And uh, Mr. Delaney, man, you brought by some members there when you said uh, you know, Richard Delaney, Dick Delaney, one of the uh, great men in the athletic world. Uh, you know, one of the few, uh, and but particularly in that generation, of African-American men that were in the administration of the football department, or the sports department, period. So he, he certainly was a pioneer back then. And uh, shout out to his son, Kena. And I know there's another one out there, just can't remember his name. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of Buckeyes that have been listening. But Roland, man, I really appreciate this uh, this call from you. I'm going to stay in touch with you. As a matter of fact, sounds like we have, we have a need to have Mr. Tatum here join us a little bit more frequently on Voice America Sports. So, hey, I'll give you a call in a few minutes, man. I'm going to wrap this show up. But, uh, again, tell people about the the name of the book and where they can get it, uh, either online or wherever, website, whatever you got. Yes, okay. Uh, the title of the book is called Why Women Can't Be Daddy Slash to Become a Man. Uh, it's on www.amazon.com. And uh, they can also uh, get it from me on my website at www.rolandtatum.com. All right, man. I'll be in touch with you. Thank you for having me. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, we were listening to my dear friend there, Roland Tatum, a teammate of mine at The Ohio State University, drafted by the Miami Dolphins, and now doing great things in California. Listen, we do things besides play football. A lot of great men out there doing a lot of great things. A lot of people just don't talk about that. So uh, I always say that athletes need role models too. There's a role model for an athlete in need of one. I tell you, there's a lot of other things being done in the sports world, too. I think in Maui, I know in Maui, there's some role models doing some things for some young men that are playing the game of football in the National Football League. And the young men and old men have come together. As a matter of fact, there's some history that has been made. Uh, The fact that there are now going to be some former players uh, at the negotiating table uh, at part of the steering committee. to make sure we hammer out a new collective bargaining agreement so everybody will be happy. We're going to get this thing worked out. There will be football. There will be no football strike. You heard it here first on Voice America Sports. It's the Ray Ellis Voice America Network. I hate I have to do this. This just show. I'm, I'm starting to agree with Kwame. I need a little bit more time. But anyway, you've been listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.